Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Episode 200! Yeah! Should get one of these. Uh, maybe a little... Uh, uh, where is it? Maybe one of these. No, no, that's not what I want. Maybe one of these. There it is. There it is. Episode 200, baby. You can hear the excitement. There it is. You can hear the excitement in my voice. But 200 episodes. This is a pre-COVID podcast. PPC, baby. No, PC, PCP. That's probably not as politically correct, but this is a PCP uh, pre-COVID podcast, uh, around for four years. Uh, it's crazy. This podcast has been around for four years and this is episode 200 and it's a good one. It's, uh, my first triple, uh, guest. I've had Destiny Miller now on three times and, uh, three different times too. It wasn't like I split one up into two. I've had her now on three times and it's, um, uh, this one's, this one's good. Now I've got to tell you, don't listen with the kids. Uh, not that the content is bad, but there are some F bombs dropped. Uh, it is not, um, not, uh, it's explicit when it comes to the F bombs. We were in a bar at the, uh, at bullpen pizza, which is in, uh, Fort Bend in the, uh, Fort Bend, uh, district and Fort Bend County. And it's one of the best places to eat in the city of Houston. They have the best wings in the city of Houston, bar none, easily, pardon the pun, uh, and they have really good pizza. Didn't pay me for this. I'm just telling you, if you want the best wings in all of Houston, Texas, go to Bullpen Pizza. Um, it's not too far from Dallas High School, but it's where myself and Nancy Lynch and Destiny Miller go quite often, and in this case, it was just Destiny and I, and this is kind of her farewell to the classroom. She's off to Yale in August, off to Yale for three years to get an MFA in directing. And then those of you that actually know Destiny, not those of you that are like, uh, you know, I saw one of her shows and I said hi to her, uh, but those of you that actually know Destiny uh, are going to reap the benefits of her success as a director. Because I know I'm already uh, auditioning for roles that uh, of shows that she's going to direct. I don't know what shows those are, but I just know that if she doesn't cast me, then friendship over, right? And um, that's just how it is, right? That's that's how petty theater is. So uh, I was super excited. This you know this is an old school way of me recording. I used to do this quite a bit, where I'd set up a microphone in some random place, sometimes a bar, sometimes a coffee shop. Sometimes, uh, in like Kendra Willoughby's case, it was like, like a food court type area, uh, different, different places. Uh, this is that kind of thing. This is old school, no zoom, no Google meets, no nothing. Uh, so that's right. Episode 200, really excited about it. Uh, and I don't know how long I'm going to go. I've got two more in the can. So two Oh two and um, I saw Mel and she was asking me how long I'm going to go. And I was like, you know, I'll just keep going. Um, it's what Uh, the original plan when I came back was to record quite a bit through Techland. And those of you that are in the know about what's going on at Techland, then you're in the know. If you're not in the know, then, you know, reach out to me privately, but things at Techland have changed dramatically. 
so I don't think I'm going to be doing anything with them anytime soon. But there are some other things that are happening and that I'm super excited about. Some through Covenant, uh, some not. Uh, just by chance, I was DM'd by a friend that's doing something that's kind of a cool opportunity that if it comes to to a head, then I'll talk about it here. And if it doesn't, then I'll talk about it here too and how it fell through. But um, I'm like really honestly like super excited about where things are right now. I just, uh, I didn't record the intro last week before Drowsy ended, but Drowsy Chaperone ended last Sunday. And I got to tell you, I miss it. Like I've, I haven't missed something this hard since my parents passed away. Uh, like it's, I miss the people that I was with. I miss the show. I miss the feeling of being on stage. I miss all of it. Um, and I shouldn't, I hate that I miss it because I've, you know, I was very adamant about this is a one and done. I'm not doing this ever again. Mm, I might've lied. So, uh, I might do it again, uh, just because it was fun and it might be sooner than later. So whatever. I have a great wife cause she allows me to do these things. But, uh, speaking of great wives, um, I hope everybody's having a good week. It is Summerfest week for TXCTA. I will not be there. Katie Cross will be there. Go see her stuff. It's very important stuff. Um, I will be at TXCTA, which I did find out. I did figure out because TXCTA, I think, maybe I, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it's always like the third week of September, not the last week rolling into October or weekend. But I... I realized it's on the weekend of a very close family friend's wedding. And that's a struggle of a decision, right? Do you go to the wedding, which happens to be out of state uh, on the East Coast, or do you go to TXCTA uh, with your brand new company and, uh, you know, do what you need to do, uh, be, be the face that you're supposed to be, the network, all that kind of stuff? Both are things I want to do. Um, but uh, I, I think I, I've made my decision. So, uh, but that's a tough one. That's a, that's a real tough one. So I, it'd be interesting to hear what other people uh, would do in that situation. Uh, not, not to go to TXCTA or not, but to go to TXCTA when you have become, you know, just joined a, a brand new company. It's, you know, career-wise, it's, um, you know, a, a big deal. So anyway, uh, that's enough with that. You're not here to listen to me, those of you that do. Bobby, thank you. Uh, you're here to listen to the Destiny Miller. She's a star. She's amazing. I did uh, keep some things in that maybe I shouldn't have. Like we ordered food. I left it in. I don't care. And I made a couple of little cuts. But remember, uh, if your kids are around, uh, the F-bombs dropped a couple times. So um, also, if you're listening to this with your kids, like I'm not going to say you're a bad parent, but what a boring parent. Like this is a niche podcast for Texas theater educators. And you're like, Hey kids, let's gather around the, the fireplace and listen to some of these minor wisdom or as, uh, was said online, uh, Billy minor. Uh, yeah. So anyway, have fun. Enjoy destiny. Leave a rating, leave a five star, uh, leave all the good things. I appreciate you guys. All right. Bye. Enjoy. Have a good week. Bye. Have fun at Summerfest. Okay, bye. You know, I told my principal two years ago, actually, I was like, I got 12 to 24 months left. <laughs>
and she was like, day tattooed on you. You know, and she was like, uh, what are you going to be doing? What are you going to do next? I said, I don't know. It was like, I don't know. It's just, it's feeling like something is pushing me. Um, but I told her that I wouldn't leave for another high school. Like, I would leave for something that was, like, worth leaving because I love my school and my kids and my admin. And uh, I had no idea what that would, what, what would be that thing. And getting into Yale was that thing. Well, when did you figure out what the thing could be? Um, so the first thing is that that job in... Gary leaving yeah. U of H yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Um, and I even had to decide, like, is that a thing that I actually want? Like, is that the pathway yeah. that I want to, like, take? wanted you there. It doesn't mean that you wanted to be there. Yeah, and I, and, and I applied for it, and I wasn't, yeah. I, even in applying for it, I still wasn't sure, yeah. you know? Um, and then, uh, <laughs> like, my kids and I were, like, sitting around the table, and they're, like, applying for colleges and scholarships and all these things. And they're like, Miller, you going to open that Yale application? Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> they're like, you keep talking about it, you know? And so I opened it, and, like, the filling it out part was probably the scariest thing. Um, and, like, I could do, like, doing the... The resume, doing the like letters of rec, all of that stuff was actually the easy part. It, for some reason, the statement of purpose yeah. like had me in a chokehold. I don't know. I think like when you're 18, doing like a statement of purpose, right. like it's whatever. Yeah. But like I guess like when it was something that I really wanted, and then thinking about like the word purpose and how much right. I feel like that is like driven. Well, yeah. It's a- you know the meaning of purpose. Yeah. Whereas when you're 18, you don't know the meaning of purpose. You're like, I just want to go to college yeah, right, and, you know, right. l- do that. And so, like, trying to write a statement of purpose yeah. was probably the most difficult and daunting, right. um, intimidating, scary. Vulnerable. Very yeah. much so. And also deciding... Um, how honest I was going to be in that statement of purpose. Because uh, you well, don't know you, who's going to read it. Did you feel like you had anything to lose, though? So, I don't like failure and I don't like rejection. Sure. And so, I never wanted to feel like I wasn't good enough. Right. So, your pride felt like oh, it could lose something. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't even the, and I and I don't know this, but like just the fear of getting a re, getting rejected, um, and what that meant to me, what that particular rejection yeah. would mean to me, I think was what I had to lose. So you you jokingly said "fuck education" at the very beginning, <laughs> five minutes ago, but. Do you, do you, do you personally, do you think, right, and as I literally just told you a tweet about HISD superintendent, yeah. uh, do you think it's a Texas thing? Uh, um, I think it's an American okay. thing, for sure, and then, like, then go into Texas, right. and then multiply that, you know, yeah. um, because I, I like... It's amazing 
how like we look back on history and there's clearly a right side and a wrong side to history. And I feel like we're in that very same moment and there is a clear right side and wrong side to history. And like, fuck, like Texas is really on the wrong side of history again. Yeah. Like how, y'all don't even want to apologize I don't know how much I can cuss on this. Uh, I don't care. Okay, great. I like. I don't know how much like, you know, they already don't want to apologize for the shit that's happened in right. the past centuries. Right. You know, like y'all want to add more stuff onto the stuff that you gotta apologize for. Like, yeah. good God. Yeah. So then, <laughs> this is a loaded question. But like, <laughs> I mean, like, like. So, okay, I just had this conversation with another another director yesterday, I will not put their name on here, mm-hmm. uh, who was talking about um, the numbers, like every department, theater department, the numbers are going down significantly. Like students or teachers? Students. Okay. Well, both. I, mean, I guess both. But student numbers are going down, which yeah. is also that contributing to the lack of need for teachers. Correct. But uh, but also teachers are leaving yep. for a reason, uh, which doesn't help. The stu- anyway, it's a whole like paradox kind of thing. But it, is there, I don't know what the question is. I must say this. Um, so like, if football were to have one state last year, they would have a million people trying out for right. the football team, right? Um, because that is something worthy of spending your time on and yada, yada, yada. We won state last year, and, like, I'm begging boys to be in the program. And I literally had a boy so talented, sophomore, uh, and a boy that was a senior, so talented, football player. Both of them go, oh, my God, like, miss, this would be so cool, but, like, honestly, I just want to sit at home. Like, like, I don't want any responsibility. Like, I don't want to, like, commit to something. Like, and I appreciate their honesty. Like, I'm glad they didn't take the role and then, like, quit showing up and leave us in, like, a lurch. But genuinely, they don't feel like it's worth their time and effort. And um, even one year I had a guy go, I know how much I would love this. And, and I don't want to get, like, hooked. Is it, is it, but is it because they don't see the, the reason behind, like, the, the, like, benefit in 10, 15, 20 years of doing something like what that? What kid sees 10 to 15 well, years down the line that's not monetary value? Right, but also the, the whole, like, CTE right now is a big push. You know, they're mm-hmm. pushing. So there are, it's not necessarily, I guess it's not the kid as much as it is also the parent. Oh. So the, so the parent is saying, well, if you, ta- if you take this mechanics class, if you take this this career sort of uh, themed class, mm-hmm. it'll help you find a job, you know, in however many years. So is it that is it that they don't find and it could be the parents I was, and I'm sure it is the parent in a lot of situations. I think very few people that are not in the arts find the value of the arts beyond its entertaining purposes. Um, that's first and foremost. And then secondly, even the parents that and I'm gonna talk about my school specifically, even my parents there, 
You know what I mean? Like, they'll love for their kids to be in theater for four years because we keep them busy. They know exactly where they are at all times. They're out of trouble. You know, we hold them accountable, accountable for grades. But I just had a person come out to their parents about being a theater major for college. <laughs> like, and, and it was an all-out drag-down fight with their parents. And they still don't have the support, right. but they're still going for it anyway. Because according to their parents, this was a hobby. Right. Yeah, do it yeah. for do it for four years. Don't, but don't fall in love with it. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like Bridgerton, right? Don't like, yes. Queen Charlotte. Don't. Quick. Jennifer's obsessed with that right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, that is kind of funny. It, but, coming, coming out as a mom and dad, I'm a theater major. Yeah, you know, you know and it, but it's really like that is so. I think I go through that. Every single year with students. Yeah. Do you, so like, I'm going to ask a very candid question. Is it a cultural thing? Um, yes, very much so, especially amongst, um, like, immigrant uh, okay. families. So like, a, a, literally like a first generation. Yeah, yeah because yeah. I mean, and, and, it, and it's such a, my earring just fell down my shirt, hey. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's the idea that, like, we came over here for you to have... Fulfill the American dream. Yes, yeah. all of these opportunities. And you're but... going to be an actor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you're choosing to be poor? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. we came all the way over here for you to be poor. Um, although they all watch TV and, right. you know, love Netflix and... Right. And see the, and I'm not gonna say they don't see the value that has been poured into their student, um, but it's no different from just like uh, American uh, born and raised kids and parents that are like, make sure you have a double major because you still need to make money. Something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I also think that. The other thing that goes against people in pursuit of the arts is what people deem as successful in this particular profession, right? Like, do I have to be Viola Davis to be... Considered a success. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, do they have to win Tonys and Oscars to be successful actors? Right. Like, um, one of the things that like we talk about I'll talk to my kids about is like I need you before you decide to choose this as like what you want to do I need you to define what success means right. for you in this field because I feel like I'm successful in this field I don't have none I don't have a Tony I don't have an Oscar you know, I have a UIL championship and some Babers and some Thespian awards. Hey, those Babers mean a lot. <laughs> so then, they do. So then, question to you then, what is the, what is your definition of success from here on out? I want to be able to sustain my lifestyle doing what I love. Okay. Um, and, but that's also why I became a theater teacher, right. because I would be able to sustain my lifestyle. Right. Doing what I love. Granted, I also had to do like the education right. part of it. Yeah. Um, but it was 
that's something that I could deal with because I had from, you know, 2 p.m. to whatever time we get out of rehearsal right. for doing the part that, like, I, that fulfills me the most. So then, what if you are not, which you will be, I'm not, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. What if you are not successful in what you hope to be doing, but you are still sustaining a, a, a lifestyle that supports you and your son? And, what do you, you know, mean? Like, you mean, you like mean? so let's say you you don't go off to be a director. Yeah. Say you... Let's say it morphs into something. I, I mean, I, right now I don't know why, but I'm thinking like dramaturg. Like, you, yeah. like you become something that you didn't necessarily see yourself becoming. Yeah. Are you open to that? Or yeah, do you, I think Or I'm, do you want to be a director? I want to be a director. Yeah. It's. But is that part of the success? Is what I, I guess what I'm asking. I think yes. I think um, for me, right. like I don't know. I, I I know that I'm about to spend about a year. Before I direct, right. you know, something yeah, uh, like a big project again. you don't know anything yet. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, um, but that's the idea. Ultimately. Like, learn like our way. The first, the first yeah. year, I take like 15 classes. Right, right. And, you know, they're across all disciplines. And so, but they start making room for directing. What, what do you mean across all disciplines? Like, you're not taking like math, are you? No, I oh. mean like all, our, all oh, okay. theater disciplines. <laughs> that's going to be like... <laughs> If they put me now. back in the math class, <laughs> listen, I fail already. Anyway, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, but yeah. I have to do like design classes and dramaturgy yeah, yeah, classes yeah. and playwriting classes and acting classes. Theater history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, and so like, who knows what passion I'll find in that? Like, I know that I was a lighting designer in one of my lives because I love it. Like I love looking at I, now. Can I can I work a board properly? No, that's why I call you. It's different than programmer. It's Correct. Than Correct. And, but like the idea of all of that, like genuinely interests me. Right. Right. Um, like when Jenna's not there and I get to go to her light board and yeah. like play, it excites me. But like directing is, I feel it's my I feel it's my thing. Right. Like, I, I have a knack for it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when I became confident enough to say that I have a knack for it. You don't know when? You I, really I, don't? I really don't. Like, I don't know when I was like, I am a pretty damn good director. So, do you, but do you think, like, for instance, for instance, this year was unique because it was a play you wrote. But yeah. do you do you think there that it has to do with the play first for you? Um, like if I were to just if I were to say uh, it, turning chicken salad and for chicken shit into chicken salad, right? Yeah. If I were to hand you just some random ass play, would you be able to direct the hell out of it, or do you need the play to also be something that you are? When you get to Yale, I think that I have. And they hand you <laughs> stand and deliver. I don't know. You know that's a bad example, but you I know, was like, like if, 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 anything. Neil Simon. They hand you Neil Simon, right? Yeah. And, and are you still gonna <laughs> have the confidence to direct a Neil Simon as you would with a show that you that that you connected with? Fell um, in the answer to that I'm gonna say is I do think I'll have. I, in that respect, I don't think 
confidence is the thing. I think the um, puzzle is the thing. Um, I don't know, my voice keeps cracking. It does, what are you, 13? My bar no, but I really think that part of the reason why I love directing so much is because I love solving puzzles. And so for me, that would be a challenge. And I don't, again, I don't like to fail or be rejected. And so do I think that it would probably end up being my best work? I don't know. I, like, I don't know. But the fact that I wouldn't want it to be my worst work right. Right. Is going to be the reason that that makes sense. But you're such a like storyteller, though. I I am, and I think I, I think I have the ability to find the story in everything. Right. Like we did Clue this year. That was not like yeah, yeah high theater. Like <laughs> like that's not anything that I was that I went <laughs> in search of. Like you know I've been through like twelve tech directors in my TV yeah. this year wanted to do Clue, and so I needed to keep him. Yeah. Um, so we were going to do what Clue. Do you want? What do you get? Um, what do you want? Timmy. What do you want? Okay, Timmy. Taking orders? Because <laughs> I can tell yeah. him I want. Uh, but like, even in Clue, like, we found ways to be like, although this is hilarious, yeah. like, who are you in this? Right. Like, there's always truth in every piece of fear. So. I kind of want to be directed by you in a comedy because. Oh, I'm funny. No, no, no. It's not that. It's that. It's that. Like comedies don't necessarily have all the depth yeah. that like a drama has, right? And so, and so, it's it would be fun to for you to say like, like do three weeks of table work. For a okay, so yeah, we didn't do three weeks of table work for Clue, but what I do find is that if you have some type of like. Let me say this. What I love the most about table work, and I think this works across every every genre, is that table work gives you a foundation from which all your choices get to be made. Yeah, right. And so every time my kids include made a choice, and I asked them, why did you do that? They would have to tie it back to like what we've already discussed right. or something that they've discovered along the way so that, so that they're not just on stage trying to be funny like the funny comes in the fact that this particular character is this particular type of stock yeah. character that does these particular set yeah. of things and so when you do that the audience immediately knows exactly why that would come from you I, I'm dealing with that literally right now because you know I'm in this musical yeah and my character is this stick-up-the-ass butler type thing. And I keep trying to tell my director, and mind you, this is a, a theater that was founded on youth, like yeah. children, children's theater, but they've since developed into a, an adult, you know. Uh, uh, but my character doesn't do the cheesy dance moves and yeah. the... And the, and the the, 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 the grapevines and things to like really jazzy and all that my character just moves those directions yeah. doesn't necessarily buy into the dance and I keep trying to tell her like this guy would not do this stuff well, this do you guy, buy in at the end because that would be so, so I buy in <laughs> I buy in during our like my song with my love song yeah. my love story song that's when I buy in and, that, uh, and I, I feel like love... that makes sense yes. right? but the whole time up to that moment 
I should, I, I keep trying to say, no, 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 during this song, I, I would just be kind of standing there. I'm the guy that's like standing straight up while everybody's down on their, yeah. like bouncing on their knees. And you just see that character standing there, moving a little bit, yeah. starting to feel it, but not... But would never, like, disgrace yeah. himself. Yeah, that's the comedy. Yeah. That's because, because that character is still doing it, but not. Yes. You know, and, it, and like, but you have to you have to stay true to that character because if I believe that everything I'm doing is honest, yes. the audience will start to laugh. They'll start to like buy it because that's where funny comes yes, from. Exactly. So, but I've got to also not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's another. That's all another story. But you know, but it's like I. My point is, is I, I agree with like the. You have to. The character has to find. Their themselves so that yeah. the audience can, can kind of laugh with you, not at you. And that, and honestly, that's why I think comedies are harder. No, oh, they're much harder. Because people want to be funny. Yeah. And it's not about being funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think when you try to be funny, that's where you miss the timing. Right. Where, like, being, you just got to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. The you, funny's gonna come. As long as you believe what you're doing, yeah. the funny, exactly, the funny will, will kind of manifest um, Okay. Uh, so then, uh, when when you look back, right? Yeah. Your, I mean, you're not gonna be able to answer this question, but like when you look back at your, how many years in education? 15? 13. 13. 14. 13. Okay. 13 years, almost 15, 13 years of education. Uh, do, you, do you look back at that as a successful, do you define that as successful? Very much. Okay, and I why? Um, oh my gosh, for a number of reasons, actually. Um, one, the relationships that created, like middle school and high school, I still... Where are your first middle schoolers now? Like, I mean, they're adults. Married. Yeah, yeah, um. yeah. I mean, they're, they're... So your first middle schoolers are uh, mid to late 20s, right? You're sixth grade. They're uh, mid. Like, yeah. uh, my first sixth graders just uh, graduated college maybe like a year or two ago. Okay. Like two years ago. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Anyway. Two or three years ago, something so like that. the relationship. Yeah, and so, like, for instance, um, it may have been last summer or early fall, uh, one of my former first middle schoolers in uh, Sugar Land Middle School, like, called me and was like, hey, can we go get dinner? And we go to sit down and get dinner, and uh, she tells me she's graduated from college and all these things, and she's getting back into acting. And she's like, and I just wanted to talk to you about that. And, and I've been singing more. And yada yada. she's like, I don't know if I thought that I would ever come back to it. But like, here I am. And like, she came out to you. Yeah, she came out to me. And so like, I think that that's really cool. You know, um, I think that that's successful. When, um, when you impact people enough that when they, when, if they decide to continue doing it, you're part of that influence. Um, I think that the other part of that success is that I haven't done lesson plans in like 10 years. Um. <laughs> yeah, so, so, do you, so, not to get you off that question, but do you, 
and I know the answer to this because you and I are friends, but yeah. I'm going to ask you on the record. Um, do you find yourself to be a successful director, successful educator, successful mentor, all three, two of the three? Um, I'm a successful, I think, successful I, director. I think successful director and mentor are the top two, a successful yeah. educator. Um, it depends on what you define as education. Yes. Yeah. So, like, we all we know Megan Wallace. Yeah. She's a fucking brilliant yeah. educator. Yeah, she's a classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I am. <laughs> a horrible person. A horrible person. She's the worst. Yeah, right. On the record. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway. Kidding, Megan. Um, but I think that um, I think I'm a successful. Uh, educator in that I I allow myself the freedom to find ways to educate my students. Right. Um, uh, if the right conservative person listens to this, right. uh, come for me. I'm no longer in the classroom. I know um, who he is. Anyway, <laughs> but like the school is at state. Continue. Huh. <laughs> but genuinely, like my first year of teaching. Yeah. I did not teach textbook theater. I was dealing with kids that were getting jumped into gangs and had families in middle school. Like when I say families, I mean like, you know, kid they had their own kids. Right, right. And so like what is what is textbook theater about to do for you? And instead I found ways for it to be theater, but in ways that they would be able to buy into it and the things that they would enjoy so that at least they wanted to come to my class every day that maybe I could keep them in school you know make them want to show up um, and then like doing poetry units with my kids throughout the years um, giving them outlets and finding their voices and figuring out who they are and then having the confidence um, having the confidence to know that your parents aren't going to support you and you're going to follow through with what is important to you anyway because you have that confidence and feel that strongly about yourself and what you can do for yourself. Um, I think that all of those ways as classroom teacher, um, I've been very successful at. So, I always told my kids <laughs> it was life coach. Mm -hmm. Is that more of what you're talking about? Yes, and I taught theater along the way. And but, 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 but it wasn't textbook. Um, so, not in my first year. Like at Sugarland Middle School, I got to do more textbook. Yeah. Um, did you want to do textbook though? No, yeah, I just okay. said more textbook. Okay. Like I, the only time I've ever given out like worksheets was like if I was if I had a sub. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Sub. Sub. That, that's when you have to tell the kids if you know you're gonna be absent. Yeah. You gotta say, hey, look, you gotta work with me. <laughs> Please. Or you know, like even. But the the other beautiful thing is that I've always had administrators that understood that I'm not a textbook teacher. Um, also, I never, I would always tell them that like I'm a teacher like fourth. Um, and so like my principal now, Ms. James, when she comes and evaluates me, she expects to see something out of her norm. And, but what she knows what she will see is me doing not a lot. 
Yeah, your kids are, well, that, and that's what, I mean, I think I said that to you way back in the day, or maybe I didn't, it's you enjoy, you and Joy, not you and Joy, you and Joy Hughes are the only two people that I've ever come to, like, help, mm -hmm. where I came to the class, or, or I was there when the class started, yeah. right, and you guys didn't do anything, but your kids walked in and, like, like clockwork. Yes. Like they knew exactly what to do, when to do it, how long to do it for. They, there was there was a, well, more with Joy than your kids. Your kids were very ensemble. Joy had like a leader. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a leader for the week, that kind of thing. But, you know, there, and that's middle school. Yeah. But like there was this like, you didn't have to do or say anything. Now, mind you, months before, if this was August, yeah, I probably would have seen something different. Yeah. But like, I don't know when I, it was probably towards a show. So yeah. October, November. But it was the same with Joy. It was for middle school when I played for her. Yeah. So it was October for her. So the kids already boom, boom, boom. And I am dealing with this at my school right now that I'm about to leave, so I'll say it, <laughs> is the idea that my boss doesn't believe in student technicians being the ones that are trusted to run shows or run events or run different things, yeah. right? And I'm the complete opposite, opposite of that, yeah. Where if the kids aren't running things, I've, I haven't done, done your job. job. Uh, and, but it's because it's a private school and, you know, if the kid screws up, the parent might say, hey, I'm paying for this. Why is my student, why is right. they, why are they experiencing something that has a, a flub? You know, uh, newsflash, adults screw up too. Yeah. So, uh, but my point is, is like, I agree with you that like, when Miss James comes in, but you also have to, Miss James is a unique administrator. I love her so much. And, and, and I know some of us have those administrators. I had one my first year teaching, which spoiled the hell out of me, Dr. Hammerly. She was yeah. amazing. <laughs> that have to be open-minded and also understand what they don't understand. Yes. They have to be able to see and witness that you are doing your job and that they don't understand what your job is. Yeah. But if your kids aren't throwing shit on the walls and beating each other up and, you know, like playing on their phones or whatever, mm -hmm. then you're doing your job. Uh, I think that, like, talking about, like, student ownership, yeah. I was, um, it wasn't until my first freshman at Bush became my first senior right. that I understood just uh, how valuable that student ownership thing is and what the um, process of our program was. And it boiled down to this. Freshmen come in and they are supposed to love our program. Like, we literally have it so that freshmen are like celebrated their whole freshman year. They're learning a lot, but they're having a blast, right? And then your sophomore year, you're no longer a freshman. So that attention that you've been getting is about to go back to the next freshman, right? But now you're starting to stand on your own and now you're gonna have to really start taking in the training and the information. Your junior year, you're up, like, hands are off. 
nobody's babying you anymore at all. We're definitely not holding hands. And you are having to apply yeah. your training. Are, are, you also, are you also training to be a senior? Yes. Okay. Yes. And this is the, and that's the next part, right? Yeah. And, the, and I, this is... This really came from watching Jordan OKK, because he's the perfect example of this. Freshman year was his favorite year. Like, he loved it, and all freshmen love it. And then sophomore year, he did a lot of watching and taking in. And junior year, his first year where he had, like, a legitimate role, watching him struggle with, like, taking all of the information that he's learned over the past two years, and being able to put them into action, watching him do that, and watching him like figure it out, and then when he figured it out, amazing. And then his senior year, I had just watched this junior like struggle with like trying to make these choices and okay, I have this training. How do I put this in? Because she's not. She has other freshmen and sophomore to work on right now, so I need to be able to do this. I need to start doing this. I need to start doing this. And then getting him to senior year, and the last part of his training was watching him pour that back into the freshmen and the sophomores and the juniors. Like, there was so much that I didn't have to do because my seniors, and, and to this day, Jordan's been gone for two, two years now, um, but this is what they do now. Like, before auditions, the day before auditions, they have a workshop where anybody that wants to work on their monologues show up and they set up stations and they'll work each other's monologues like they're not all going for the same roles. But if you're a freshman and you don't know what you're doing, come, we're going to help you out. If you're a senior and you don't know if you're making the right choices, we're going to watch each other. But, like, the confidence that they have senior year to pour back into, you know, their classmates and their the underclassmen, and then just to watch that cycle happen yep. over and over and over again. Like the student ownership of that makes my job yeah. so easy. Right. So very now the other side of that is they feel like senior year they know everything. Right. So I'll probably argue with you have the to seniors. Pull them back a little bit. Yeah, I argue with them more than I argue with anybody. Right. But ultimately by the time that they leave, although they've driven me crazy all year, I, the arguments were definitely worth it. Right. That's funny. Um, what are you most afraid of? All of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like all of it. Uh, I called Aaron Brown for something, and he was like, I just want to congratulate you on everything. And he goes, and it's so funny, he goes, I just want to say this to you. Whenever I decided to go back, to quit teaching and go back to school at Baylor, he goes, I called my mentor and goes, am I blowing my life up? Did I just blow my life up? And he goes, my mentor told me, yes, you did, but it'll all be worth it. He goes, I want to tell you, yes, you are blowing your life up. And yes, it will all be worth it, because... There are days where I'm going like, I'm literally not about to have a job, yeah. and I have a child. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, there are just so many things that, like the life that I've been really comfortable with, I'm, I'm literally closing the book on that, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And 
that's the scariest part is not knowing. Like I remember, I, I I've said so many times to people like, oh, if the right people would just see my work, the right people. Well, now the right people are about to, are about to see my work. And then what if what if what if I've been like boosting my head all these years, and the right people see my work and they're like, Meh, you know. Um, so all of it is scary. All of it is very scary. Um, it's funny because like I hadn't quite finished my application, and I was at TXCTA, and I'm talking to Paula, and she was like, um, she was talking to me about our UIL show last year, and then she was like, hey, have you ever thought about like applying to Yale? And she had no idea that I'd start an application. I was like, oh, funny. <laughs> I've like started the application. She was like, well, yeah. She was like, I think that you would be a great fit there. If you want, I'll uh, write a letter of recommendation for you. And I was like, okay. And that was scary, just getting that kind of like validation in the process that I was doing. And so, like, she like believed in me for that. And then when I was at my callback and they had asked me one question and they were like, um, you've been teaching for 13 years, why now? And um, I got all emotional, <laughs> which I'm not going to do today. Um, but they asked me that and like I, was, I had to be completely honest in the fact that every year I remember telling like Michael Duran, like, yeah, go audition for Juilliard. But the worst thing I say is no. Yeah, Dula, go audition for NYU. Like, what's the, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know? And I'm, like, feeding my kids the confidence to, like, audition and go for their dream school. And, you know, Michael's, like, a finalist and Abdullah gets in and Yusuf gets in the Cal Arts and Atara gets in the house. Like everybody's getting what they want. And I'm just continuously watching this and very, very happy for them. And the more it kept happening, the more I kept feeling like a fraud because I'm like, this is something that I've always yeah. Until wanted. Until something you need to tell yourself. Yeah, and I wasn't. But they're telling me, by the way. Right. right. Like yearly, I'm getting either calls from Avery or Michael or. Nelson and Abdullah and they're like why are you still at Bush and I'm like first of all it's easy for you to say that now that you've graduated because yeah. um, if I would have left when you were still here sir yeah. you'd be really upset um, you guys are good uh, we, can we order some stuff yeah. is that alright do you need to like you wanna put, okay um, first of all I'll do another Modelo and I'll uh, do another Dos Equis. and then you want to do are you, do you want to eat or you? I'll probably eat like two of your alright we'll do 20 wings um Half lemon pepper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not as many today. But half lemon pepper, and then uh, oh, your menu is it's more colorful now. Yeah. Uh, and then half mango habanero. Okay, you might want to watch that guy. He's saying. Okay, ranch or blue cheese. Uh, ranch. All right, you got it. But um, yeah, I've just I always felt like a. I, I didn't want to feel like a fraud anymore. I, I've been telling them to be brave. Right. And, and more importantly, they kept holding me accountable. 
Like, I know, they're like, I know what your potential is. Michael Duran, whether he knows how much he influences or not, we were on the phone in the fall, like early uh, this school year, and he was like, yeah, so I was talking to one of my professors, and they had asked me, you know, like, something about like, my training or whatever, and I was like, yeah, I trained with Destiny Miller. And, and they were like, oh, who is that? And he was like, oh, that's my mentor. Have you ever heard of her? And he said, they were like, no, I haven't heard that name yet. And he was like, oh, don't worry, you will. And this was back in, like, September, and I'm like, Michael, stop it. Like, cut it out. And he's like, no, but real shit. Real shit, Destiny, because he calls me Destiny all yeah. the time, so that he can like, get it. Yeah. yeah, solidify that yeah. in his mind. But he's like, no, real shit, Destiny, like, like, they are going to know you. And I'm like, he's like, I can't wait for the day that you call me, like, so I gotta tell you about this opportunity. And I'll be like, yeah, I already know about it because I got it for you. And then I just want to hang up on you because I want to feel like I, like, <laughs> I just laugh. But like, the way that I poured into them. Yeah. Like, they have, like, given that back to me tenfold. And so, like, even the fear of, like, failing for them, like, is scary. For all the people that believe in me. Right. Whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, I I only know of, like, two or three, but that's good. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't let let a lot of people down. Just, just like, two... Uh, that's funny. Um, why Yale? So, when I was in college, uh, when I was graduating in college, my pro, uh, my department head then was like, I think you should audition for Yale, because we're a pretty decent actress. Um, although I don't want to do that ever again. Um, but, um, you will be. I'm I am, I'm sure, at some yeah. point. Um, which is fine. It's always nice to get back in the position that you keep yeah, yeah. putting people in. Yeah. Um, just so you can remember what that's like. But um, my, and so like, I remember going to that audition, not knowing, before he said that, I didn't know Yale drama as it is, you know? Um, So I started doing my research and I was like, oh shit. Like, this is like, Yale. Yeah. So like, I, I go to this audition fucking unprepared as all get out. Um, bomb it. I'm sure I bombed it. There were thousands of people there, but like, I feel like they probably tuned out yeah. after the first 20 seconds. And they were just like smiling and nodding through my audition. Um, and so, ever since I didn't get it then, like it's been eating at me because again, I hate failure and I hate rejection. So when I knew I wanted to go back to school for to get an MFA in directing, um, <clears throat> I thought about Yale and I thought about DePaul in Chicago, um, and those were really the only two schools that I want wanted to go to, um, and so. But Yale was the only one that I finished the application for. And so when I go to my callback, there, there are 12 of us from this callback. Well, uh, I'm going to go back. The first thing, they call you and say, hey, we've set you up on an, an interview, a Zoom interview where you get to pick a play, your dream project that you've never done, 
and then you're gonna like pitch it to us and talk to us about it. And I was like, I work at Bush, I've done all my dream projects. I've gotten to do everything I've ever wanted to do. So I had to find one, which I did. Um, and so they did like three weeks worth of interviews with people, I guess. Um, and out of that, they choose 12 that they fly into New Haven and you have to pick a scene prior to going. They send you five, you pick one, and you direct two of their actors for 30 minutes. They don't expect you to finish, they just want to see your process. And then the last 30 minutes is an interview with them. And so, like, being there and doing that and getting there was like, it was crazy. Because you don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what they want. Have to be you. That's all they're looking for, and I'm like, I'm like, like, I'm like prefacing everything, right? Even when I first met the two actors, I'm like, you guys, if I start teaching you, it's an occupational hazard. So please don't be like annoyed with the fact that like, because for some reason, like being at on that large of a scale made me want to apologize for being like a high school theater teacher, just because. I know what the perception is. You know, it's the floating teacher yeah. with the scarves and the flowy skirts on cat. Disney yeah, Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I didn't want to be uh, seen as, oh, the high school theater director. But I will say this, and then I don't know if I've answered your question yet, um, but I will say this, is that I feel like being a Texas theater educator made that room so much easier. Like, so much easier. Like, I felt so in my element. Like, walking up the stairs going to the room, I had knots in my stomach, doubts in my head. I walk in, the panelists are there, you know, and they have an empty chair for me to sit in to do my directing. They're like, yeah, you can sit over here. I was like, I'm not sitting. Um, I don't know if I could sit. And But then you're working with two actors. You don't know what they know about the script. And I was the second person to go, so I have no idea what the person just did with them or taught them or anything like that. So all you really have to fall back on are the things that you already know and understand. And if I can say one thing about Texas theater, about UIL, um, is that they force you to ask a lot of questions and to really evaluate like your process and the whys and how you get to these moments and things like that. And so like being in that room was that was the easiest part of the entire process was that 30 minutes of directing. And then I'm going to tell you, it was kind of amazing, like, giving them a note and it changing immediately. Like, that shit does not happen in high school. They were directable. Yeah, like... To say the least, yeah. Like, right then. Right. It was awesome. Uh, Is there anything that you're going to regret not doing? Like, while in high school? As an educator, like, you know, you, you got three weeks left as we record this. Is there anything that you're going to look back and say, I wish I had done X, Y, and Z? Or no, um, no I'm a, regrets? I'm going to say the answer to that is no. 
and I think that's why I'm okay with leaving. Yeah. Um, and I want to say, on record, loud as day, that winning state has nothing to do with those no regrets. Um, yes, I am extremely competitive, and yes, winning was great. Um, <laughs> winning this year would have been great. Um, but um, when I sat down with Dr. Creer my, to do my interview to go to Bush, I listed out goals. And two years ago when I told Miss James that I had 12 to 24 months left, it was because I had already accomplished right. the goals that I had literally sat down in my interview with Dr. Creer with right. and told her about. And because I felt like I had done what I had said I was going to come to do, it, it makes it easier to walk away from the job. Not easy to walk away from my kids, but definitely easier to walk away and get into something new where I get to um, make new goals and have new challenges and go on a new adventure. Yeah. Uh, would winning this year or any part of this experience this year did that or would it have validated you as a playwright? No, um, the win. Do you not care? Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so winning would not have validated me as a playwright um, because I can't put my validation in three judges. Right. Like, whatever their scores they give me, you know, like that 276 or whatever it was. Um, that. Uh, I remember sitting in the audience, and audience after audience after audience as we went on this journey, and watching the way it was received was the only validation that I needed. Um, and not as a playwright. Again, as a director, as a storyteller. Um, because honestly, after we wrote it and we start, and I started the directing of it, I had to let go of the playwright part. Um, could, you, could you let go of the directing part of that play? I mean, like, could I let somebody else direct yeah, this play? Yeah. I could. Yeah. Um, I, would, I don't know if I'd come see it. Um, <laughs> but I... But also, I think that's a normal feeling amongst playwrights. Also, is like I don't Not know like if Don I. Nigro, that's what he, <laughs> he loves to go watch his own stuff. I, I, I think it'd be. I, I think that I couldn't watch it so soon. Right. Um, but like people have asked me over and over this year, honestly, they're like, "So how does it feel watching a play of yours on stage?" And I think I kind of throw them a little bit when I say that I haven't thought about being a playwright as much right. because I had to direct it and so in order for the play to actually be good and succeed it deserves the same process of every other play that I've directed and so I had to pretend that the playwright wasn't in the room like my kids we had this issue after zone um, after zone zone's performance was fine it wasn't spectacular but it was fine um, but we had a come to Jesus moment where I was like, you guys, like, what's going on? And they were like, I think the issue is that the playwright is in the room. And so when you give us direction, 
we think it's because you know what you want. And I'm like, y'all, I quit playwriting a long time ago. Like, I'm directing this thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. I was like, this is not about... This is not about what I wrote, like, what I was thinking as I wrote. I was like, I need you guys to make choices. I need you to find the thing. I said, y'all are smarter than me. I need y'all to find the things about your characters that I haven't thought about. I need you to link these things together that I never noticed. Um, the same way y'all do when we do any other show. And we kind of had a like a turning point in our process at the moment where they felt like they had permission to kind of see things how they see it. Versus like, she wrote it so she knows what she wants. Um, so, so. This, this may be kind of a dumb question, but if you were to do this again, mm-hmm. <laughs> would you have used a pen name, like and like pretended that it wasn't your play? No, okay. no, and not I don't know, not on no ego shit. I like yeah. I like seeing my name, although I love my name. Um, <laughs> not on no ego shit, but more so on the fact that like I genuinely. Stop thinking about, like, because in my mind, if I thought about it. They don't know that. Yeah. I mean, the kids didn't know that. They didn't know that. You had to to alert them. Yes. Um, Because they, I I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that they would feel like they couldn't have ideas and choices. Um, But, like, for me, I just knew that if I would, if I continued to be the playwright through the whole thing, I was just going to continuously judge the story, and I needed the story. And so when we started table work, that was table work was when I decided whether or not the story was even good. Like if we had convert, if there was something to dig into and conversations to have and opinions and arguments that we had over former plays, then then I knew we had something on our hands. If because it's a it's a straightforward story. Like, there isn't very much that's complicated about it. Like, it's very straightforward. And I was like, is this too straightforward? Let's see. Like, did I give all of the answers already? Let's see. Um, Because we wrote it, I wrote it in like four days. So I didn't know what this was going to be. But, like, it created some really great conversation and some really great, great questions. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, so I can step away from this as a playwright so we can, so that I can direct the thing, because I didn't want to. The only things that were like adjusted from the time we really started um, table work, like I think we did like one more set of rewrites, um, and it was like little wordings here and there, because my kids are like, I wrote for you know 17 year old boys, and they're like, yeah, Miss Miller, like this lingo. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's not cool anymore? Uh, thought I heard y'all say that. They're like, yeah, in 2018. I'm like, that wasn't that far ago, guys. Has, um, has competitive theater made you a better director, or has it not really changed how you would go about the process? Um, I think competitive theater, I don't think the competitive part of it, I think the educational part of it has. Um, because I feel like there are notes that I get that I've gotten in the past that, um, as it pertains to storytelling and understanding story, that I 
that are like staples for me now. Um, like uh, one of the things, um, I remember Philip came and this is when he was still working here and he clinicked Water by the Spoonful and he took a picture during transition moments and uh, he showed me the pictures and he was like, this is during the transition. As an audience member, I'm watching her walk away and I'm watching him walk away. So I, I'm not getting story from anybody. What's holding me there? That has stuck with me since then. Like now during a transition, if you're gonna, if you need something to hold on to, there is going to be something there for you at all times. Um, when I think about just like building up to moments and how important silence is sometimes um, like those are just things that like every so often I'll get a note about like clarity and I really wanted this thing this part to take time and um, I really needed uh, levity at this moment and so those are just notes that I've gotten throughout the years <laughs> they're just notes that I've gotten throughout the years that I think made me a um, a better storyteller. I think that um, there are things that I do naturally that I can't explain, like ideas and things and the way that I see things that I can't explain, that I'm just like, ooh, thank God for giving me that. But um, as far as like being better at it, being able to like actually put those things into context. Yeah. Um, just talked about transitions. It's like the only thing I took away from when I worked with Pam Wilson. Yeah. She would always like really knock home the idea that the transitions are what's going to be the difference between a successful play and, a, mm -hmm. and an unsuccessful play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've seen, I'm not throwing nobody's names out there or any company, but I've seen some plays, professional plays. Yeah. With like beautiful scene work. Yes. Yeah. And they completely drop the ball yeah, right. in transition. Right. And when I say completely, like, and uh, my kids will go with me to see shows all the time. And I feel like I've ruined their theater watching experience. Um, but that is one of their number one things. It's like, you can almost tell how great a play is going to be by how they handle the first transition. Um, I also saw a play this year where in between every scene they closed the curtains and the audience clapped. That, and there was like, there was nine scenes per act and there were two acts so the curtains closed 18 times. Uh, off the record we'll find, oh, I want to ask you <laughs> it was, it was, It was amazing. But I was just like, wow. This way is now 20 minutes longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if it's a pretty curtain. Uh, I'm cackling. So, you... Are you, because of the education side of things, when you go off to do professional work, uh -huh. right? Are you going to be worried that you're directing as an educator? Or do um, you think that'll kind of get washed away a little bit? Or? I think that I have decided that that is my directing style. Okay. Um, when I worked with, uh, when I did Pipeline, and I, that was, um, and that was with professional actors, and we did a podcast, 
and uh, over, like, people were, at, they were asking them questions about me as a director as I'm sitting there, me not knowing what the end, but a couple of the people were like, I love the way that she talks me through getting to where I need to be. When I don't know something or understand something, you know, she has a, a way about her to get you to understand um, without giving you answers. And I'm like, that is definitely who I am as a teacher director. And so I don't want to run from it. Like, I want to embrace it. I want people to work with me and leave feeling like they are better artists. Um, I don't want to be that director that's just like, stand over there, go there. Like, some of my kids um, that have gone on to universities or working with other people, they're, they are looking for this experience again, right? They are looking for the feeling of a process like this, again, where they feel like they're still making choices, they feel like they're being validated, they feel like they are accomplishing something when it's all said and done, right? That they started here and they landed somewhere else. And so there was a growth that happened during that process and they felt like walking away from it that they were better for it. And so I, I that's the kind of director that I want to be. Where people are like, you should go work with Destiny Miller. Like I feel like that's going to be a good look for you. So you're transitioning out of education also, aren't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> So what's next for you? I'm going to be that interviewee. <laughs> just answers with one more question. I don't want to name names, but I've had a few. Um, going into, as I've been telling people, leaving or leaving the classroom, not education. Right? Yeah. Uh, the fact that I'm following up the dream job as an educator with yeah. the dream job as, uh, a, a, you know, my, the theater industry dream job for me. And that it's marrying those two worlds together yeah. uh, is great. Uh, what, you were a teacher for, what, 10 years? They're also 13. Really? Yeah, but 13 broken up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, which which I'm, I'm a little, I'm struggling with a little bit because yeah. my mother had such a thing with the number 13. Mm. Like, if it added up to 13, like if she were staying at a hotel... And then add it up to 13, she'd get a different room. Uh, hmm. Like different things like that. And so, like I told Jennifer, I was like, there's a part of me that wants to teach one more year. Not because I want to teach one more year, but because I can't do 13 years. <laughs> like, but there's Well, also- I mean, if you want to be honest, like your last couple of years in Fort Bend, did you actually teach? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Girl, if I want to be honest, the only. I probably only taught seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so then technically, let's just yeah. talk about it. Yeah. You did not teach for yeah. 13 years. Well, I got him up in front of the entire school a couple weeks ago and um, to introduce the Thespian Club. Mm-hmm. This is for everybody. And I was introduced by my like main star student. And he says, uh, Mr. Blake Miner, the technical theater director, and my Shakespeare teacher. And I walked up and I said, mm, teacher is kind of a word we use lightly around when <laughs> describing me. And this is in front of like, I Everybody. already told him that I was leaving. Yeah. So I didn't really care. But I got no 
there's no backlash because yeah. people like me as a person. Uh, am I the most effective teacher? No. But like you said earlier, it's not always about effective teaching of the content. It's yeah. also effective teaching of like kid enjoying school are they are they are they better in other classes because you brighten up their day yeah so I feel like you're about to have like the the best job if if I feel like a lot of theater educators are go- not only did we envy you when you went to private school and we're having lunches that we could never dream of uh-huh. um, Still. but you're also about to get a chance to do the part that you love uh-huh. while leaving behind the part that we don't love, uh-huh. you know, and that's the politics of education. Do you think you're getting out at just the right time because of all of that also? Um, well, politics of education are a lot. But even more so theater They're a lot more right in private school. Uh, you know, I wasn't allowed to do Almost Name this year. Yeah the most highly produced show in the country in high school yeah and my school didn't allow me to do it and they didn't allow me to do it for political reasons yeah for beliefs uh, I'm very self-conscious right now about how much chicken I leave on the bone because <laughs> um, I'll take your black card right 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 I know I, I won't I won't be allowed to show up to the, to the cookout <laughs> Um, Not that you won't be able to show out. We won't let you take a to-go plate. <laughs> you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna limit my portion. Um, anyway, so uh, that was like eye-opening, right? And uh, there, there was a part of me that maybe manifested the idea of me leaving off of that because. I just thought about how much of a struggle it was to get that play in front of people. And now all we can really do is fluff. Yeah. Right? And fluff theater has its place, but it doesn't, it's not all you should do. Correct. And uh, that bothered me, you know. Uh, so anyway, so... Yeah, there's a lot of politics. I mean, but but it's getting even worse. I mean, maybe it's a little bit the state of Texas. Maybe it's a little bit where the country is right now. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit residual from COVID and people are sensitive right now. Um, but it's, if all I have to do is go in and just support a show and not make decisions for the show, yeah. then yeah, it's, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm concerned with where Texas theater is going. Um, just the other day on Fort Bend ISD Concerns. <laughs> oh boy, I um, forgot about that. <laughs> a parent um, made a big deal about a moment in Clement in a show at Clements. Um, and apparently there is like blood on a girl's chest and, the, and another girl or like the girl like wiped her finger in it and licked it. And, uh, and then stated something about it being period blood. <laughs> and this uh, parent was like, we don't allow our kids to watch R-rated movies. Why would we let them do this in a play? And people were like, that wouldn't even make a movie R-rated. But it's the idea that because something makes you uncomfortable or because it's something that you disagree with, that it should be stopped versus you like... 
walking out and just being like, oh, I didn't like that. Yeah. Like, what happened to I didn't like that so versus... I mean... But, but more than that, it's like, when I'm thinking about KDISD, for instance, right now, they're book banning, right? Like, that's seeping into theater. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have the right administration, if you don't have the right uh, parental support, if you don't have the right community, then as an artist, as an educator, as, as you being a person that pushes, that helps uh, create artists, future artists, like who are now going out into a world where they're gonna have to create art. Right. Like it, it limits you as an educator. I want so, as a technician. <laughs> uh, do you think this is cyclical? Do you think yeah. this will like in 10, 15 years, not that we'll get these things back, but the mindset will change as to I mean, if anything we know about theater history, the conservative side of back. people <laughs> are going to swing the pendulum way too far that somebody is going to stand up and fight it yeah, with it. A little bit. And they're going to swing it back yeah. <laughs> the well, other way. And that's what's going to happen. I also think politics tire out like they get lazy yeah. they get or they eventually get lazy so like whatever side of the fence yeah you know it always like all right we've we've been fighting for 10 years now i'm tired <laughs> um but maybe i don't know i just think that we need to instead of stopping art there needs to be discourse right you know um if we're gonna send these kids, especially these high school students, out into the world um, and expect them to not just survive, but to th not only thrive, but also contribute and continue to keep the ball rolling, they have to be able to see something that they don't like, have a discussion about it, and be okay in not liking it, but be okay also in somebody else still wanting to pursue that art. Right. And I think that that starts on the education level. That's what I love about UIL. And, I mean, with all of its issues, you can go to a contest and see all different types of theater and yeah. you don't have to like them all. Right. Oh, at State, people love that show. And I'm not saying the judges didn't, but I'm saying that there were differences of opinion and all of those things are okay. Yeah. Like that is completely and utterly okay. Like we have parents that were upset as they should be because it's their kids or whatever. But I'm like, you. There were eight great shows today. Yeah. It's not necessarily eight shows that maybe you understood, or eight shows that you liked. But you liking the show doesn't make it good or bad. Right. Right. It's good or bad to you. Yeah. Yeah, right. But that's a that's a you thing. Right. That's not an everybody thing. It's also my baby's in that show. Yeah. You know. Uh, so of course you've it was invested great. In it. <laughs> of course it was fantastic. 
Um, so, like, if there's, that's another thing that I love about Texas Theater or UIL is that we are teaching kids to appreciate art for what it is. Like, I can take a group of kids to see a show, and there is one kid that's not going to understand a thing he just watched. There's another kid that's going to explain to him everything, be able to explain it, but also explain what they didn't like about it. There will be a kid that will understand it and be like, oh, those things that you didn't like were actually the things that I liked the most about it. But they're sitting there having a discussion about art. But the people that have the biggest problems cannot sit and have those discussions. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like... I mean, if we're going to make a sports analogy... I like sports. If I'm going to make one... It's Wait, like what sport? Any sport. Okay. You go to a sporting event, you root for your team... But you also recognize when the other team has done well. Yeah. Uh, you know what is what is it? Uh, I love LeBron. But what's it? What, but, but I can tell when Kobe was great. But greatness recognizes greatness, or mm-hmm. something like that. What is it? Yeah. What is, yeah. Uh, it's that same idea of like it's not necessarily greatness recognizes greatness, but you can recognize that there's a piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> You already did. You already did. <laughs> um, but it's like uh, when you go to state, state is different though. I mean, like, because state's different because you're at a level where everything is supposed to be good. Yeah. It's not that it, it's not always the case, but there is everything the is supposed to be yeah. good. And going back to sports, it's like when you watch the finals of something, you're like, these two teams should be equal, right? And they both yeah. should be good. That's not always the case. Correct. But they should be. Whereas, like, when you're at zone, district, by district, like, eh, there are definitely some some cream that rises to the top. And there's some, like, some, you know, the coffee filter that stayed in your drink that's at the bottom, you know? Um, some some that just isn't as good. I have a question for you. Because you've seen a lot of theater as a contest manager. Yeah. Can you name two things that set apart the shows that are moving forward and the shows that are not. You want the politically correct answer or the other? <laughs> okay, so. Minor wins. I, I, yeah, I will, I will say, going back to this, and this is true, the transition stuff, like the, the stuff that's not, that's not meant to be acted out, all right? Those, if you're, if you're sitting in a show and you don't realize 40 minutes just passed, yeah. and you're not watching the clock, yeah. Those are the shows that you're like, like this year, Kempner, mm-hmm. Last Menagerie. Was great. You, Stunning. You did not, I thought I had just watched the entire two hours, however long the running yeah. time. I thought I had just watched the entire story because not only was their cut great, but the, just everything just flowed. It was just watching one beautiful show. Yeah. And I will say there was another show that 
Montana contest that I thought was one of the most gorgeous shows I've ever seen, and it didn't advance. So with that, the reason I bring that one up is because I also think there is a lot of political... Uh, uh, there, there are a lot of issues with politics and UIL. Yes. Um, this may apply to you a little bit. It, it applies to people like Stewart. It applies to maybe people like Natasha. I'm not saying these people aren't good at what they do. But there's the, at District, your show was good. It wasn't amazing. But I trust that you are going to make it amazing by the time you get to the next level. Not, yeah. not you in general. I just mean you, the... the, the it's okay. Talk about me to my face. No, but I... <laughs> but I'm saying is... is I think that... <coughs> I think that adjudicators allow themselves to see a director yeah. and not see a direct... Or see, sorry, see a direction, not necessarily see the play as is presented at that moment. Yeah. They wanna they wanna trust that you're going to make it better by the next level. Yeah. And that can be a little frustrating because there are some really great shows presented at these levels that don't advance. Yeah. Uh, that on that particular day were better. Yeah. But because it's Stuart Savage and because it's people with you know Billy Dragoo, because it's whatever, uh, Travis Poe, they are trusted to advance because their show's going to be better next time. Yeah. And, but it's not about next time. It's about that day. Yeah. And so that's always been a problem with me with One Act Club. Um, and I'm not going to name names, but we, you and I, sat through a professional development with a director who at the time was not directing in high school, who said to us, a group of a room of directors, that that is a thing. Yeah. And uh, and <laughs> my wife. <laughs> uh, and so that's frustrating. Uh, that's not to say that their show isn't eventually. You even right. said yourself, you know, your zone was a good performance. It wasn't where it should have been. Not to say you shouldn't have advanced. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I mean, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but my but my point is, it's like I don't know if you were the best that day. If you yeah. were, if you were one of the top three yeah. shows there that day, you might have been. But if that fourth show was like hella good, it's like last year with Travis High School with Bed and Boo. Still think they were wrong. They had no. They had no I say that on yeah. air. They, they had no history, well, recent history, of success, but the schools they were up against did. And so I wonder if that worked against them. Yeah. And so that's what sucks about One Act Play that I don't know how to fix. Well, on the flip side of that... I just got to push it real good. <laughs> on the flip side of that... I feel like what I ran into, and now that I'm, I guess, leaving, I can say this out loud. I think the other thing that I feel like I ran into, there's no proof of this, really, is the fact that, like, I feel like a lot of the time, the shows that we do are compared to the shows that we've done in the past. Right. Um, like, I have a lot of people tell me, like, I am such a fan of your work. 
I love the shows that you put on. Um, I love what you do. And so then, like when we go into contests, I'm not thinking about necessarily the other shows that we're up against. I'm like, I need to make sure that we're as good as we were the last time somebody saw us. Yeah. Because I know that they're coming to this, they're coming to judge this contest going, oh, Bush is in this. I remember when they did. Yeah. And that's because they won't have an impression of the show. Right. Because we don't do shows that have been done over and over and over again. We tend to be um, singletons. Um, on purpose. Curious incident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we tend to be singletons on purpose. But because of that, a judge doesn't have other shows to base this on. They have all of our previous work yeah. to base this on. And so I feel like I am in constant competition with every past show that we've done. <laughs> Um, I'm a no, you're fine. I mean, I've even had judges give me notes, um, and not in front of kids necessarily, but like if I talk to them privately, they'll give me notes and reference. I remember you did something similar in this other show, right. and it went really, really well. Like I, w- I would like to see that type of, and I'm like, ah, like imagine competing with everything. <laughs> Against everything that you've ever done. Yeah, you're competing against you. Yeah. 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 And I don't know which version of me that is. I don't know which show that is. Right. Um, I don't know which students those right. are. Um, and yeah, that's really... Oh my gosh, let me say this. Oh my gosh, while we're still here, let me say this. I When I go to the UIL directors group... And they and I see people talking about how they can't compete with schools with a lot of money and these huge sets. I just have to say that if you focus on great acting and good storytelling, the amount of money that you spend on your sets don't matter. There's this idea that the shows that win and the shows that continue are because they have stuff. And I think the focus on what you don't have versus what you can do organically with what you have, like what they're overshadowing the that part where they must have advanced because it was pretty. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen because that shit actually yeah. that absolutely happens. Oh, yeah. Lipstick on a pig happens quite often. It does. But at the end of the day, if you get the right set of judges that are that are at doing the acting contest, then your acting and your story is going to outshine all of that on at, on any day. Yeah. And I, I just because I, I think I, I've become like the queen of nothing on stage you know what I mean like literally the bare minimum <laughs> right. is what I like to work with um, and there are people that are great at stuff I'm not great at stuff which is why I don't do it um, but I do love story and I do love good acting okay 
I'm not questioning any of that. What am I going to ask you? Yes, you are. No, I'm not. No, I'm kidding. You've gone through, you said this earlier, you jokingly said it, that you've had like 150 tech directors yeah, in the short uh, amount of time. Do you think that that ended up helping you and that you had to, you weren't able to necessarily rely on knowing if you were going to have someone there that was going to fill in? And not to say that, you know, the tech directors you had were solid. It's just they didn't stick around. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm had you, like, you know, Jason is great. And Kevin was great, you know. Kevin's like, my soulmate. But, it's, but it's, it's your mindset of, it's not that I don't trust you, it's that I don't trust if you're going to still be here. And um, so you, you ended up kind of putting up a little bit of a, for lack of better words, a wall, which is ironic. But um, um, I, I'm going to say no okay. to that. Um, mainly because I... These are damn good. And this anyway, is, good a, they are. And this is a... a this is more of a Kevin Rigdon thought process, right? Like, he used to tell us all the time, put shit in the box, yeah. and then he would come over to our box and just, like, take out all the shit that we don't need, and we're left with something really simple, clean, elegant, and necessary. Yeah. For me... What we, anything that I have on stage is necessary. It's being utilized. It's adding something to the story. If we're not going to use it, get rid of it. If it's not, if it's, and it may not be something that is huge use, but it could just be a color. Like, for me, it has to be part of the storytelling. And if it's not, if it's not justifiable, right. Then I need you to get rid of it, right? Because if if it's not something that can, if it's not supporting the story and what my actors are doing on stage, then it's in my way. Yeah. And I am a firm believer that the story and the acting needs to take front and center, and the tech. Well, and, and, and and if it's a show that needs a lot of tech, then I'm great with a lot of tech. But it, it just needs to be that, right. you know what I mean? Um, and But it should support what's happening so much that they feel inseparable. Right. That, yes. you, that you didn't know you needed all of that. Do you have that same mentality for your musicals? Yes. Yes. That's uh, a, it's so tough. I say so tough. Like I'm struggling <laughs> real hard here. But it's as a lighting designer that understands and also went through the Kevin Rigdon School of Design. Uh, it's tough to explain to a director, this is, like, you have to tell me why you just said you wanted it to be pink. Right. What is, what is what is pink doing right now? Like, uh, what does that do for me? Right. And yes. am I trying to light the stage or the scenery, or am I trying to light the actors and focus on the story and focus on your direction? Because if you're if you're wanting me to make the set beautiful, that's fine. But that's that's I could take a picture of that. And that says nothing to me about the story. Yeah. You know? Uh, this is why I love Jenna. 
my lighting designer, my girl right now. My girl. Jenna Hamaday. I'm gonna say her full name. Yeah. Because she's going to school for lighting design. It's fucking brilliant. Like the girl is fucking brilliant. Like when I say I love when she leaves, because I get to sit behind her board, and as I'm going through her light cues, I see even more so how brilliant she is. Yeah. And she is literally only limited by what she can actually utilize, what she can use. And that's why I'm so excited for her journey going forward. But I don't have to, I literally don't have to worry about lighting and shows. Because I know that... She's got it. Not only does she got it, but she designs. She thinks about it. When I think about uh, We Are Proud last year, and um, there was a split scene where the white people were on this side, the black people were on this side, and she had them in like a purple, and these people in like an orange, and then rain starts. And she starts over here and she just sweeps the stage in blue lighting as the rain starts pouring. And this is a freaking UIL show. You know what I mean? Everybody has the same 15 areas. And everybody brings in their specials to do all of their cool lighting. And whoever's on the lighting board back there, poor them, because all they're doing is lighting area one and six. You know what I mean? But, like, not Jenna. Right. That's what also drives me nuts. I'm finishing these. No, please you, do. Okay. But um, her, her, she is her special. And she is fucking brilliant to just sit back and watch her do her thing. Well, that's also what the UIL process, and this has nothing to do with UIL. Yeah. It's more about the director. Um, there are, there when I contest manage and a kid walks in, and starts to ask me about, are they allowed to separate the lights that are in the area? I know I'm about to see a well-lit, or artistically lit show. I don't know if it's well-lit, but it's artistically lit. When I when I come in and, and a kid just like pushes up all the areas on the faders, and they just, they have two cues, which yeah. is lights on, lights off. It's like, why aren't you teaching this? That's the point of UIL. Yeah. It's not that we you should have a brilliant lighting designer doing their work because no lighting designer is put in a situation where they have to do a show in an hour. They have to yeah. program a show in an hour. You know, I say I say you're not. Sometimes you are, but it happens to us at state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it's the it's the it's allowing your student. And again, this goes back. This is a, 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 a full circle, a, a conversation. Full circle yeah. giving your student the ownership of trusting them to make those decisions. And sure, you can tweak a couple things and say, hey, maybe not this color here, maybe not that you know angle there or whatever. But you have to give them the right to fuck up. Yes. Um, because they're literally not going to learn a single thing until... They have, they've been shamed, almost, yes. not, and not, not you shaming them, but like, they've shamed them, they've like, oh my gosh, I just, I could have made that better, yeah. I could have done that better, and um, I always let my kids fall flat on their face, I, you have to. You, you absolutely and do. So, 
so I say that to say like it's good that she it sounds like she's done that but she might have done it privately like you know oh. what I mean like, <laughs> and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that we actually talked about this the other day because her first year really behind the lighting floor was when everybody was competing in 2021 during the COVID year and Kevin had her on light and every time we would go into a new space she would have her light cues on her sheet, and she's like programming her lights with her head down, looking at her sheet, and she's doing this, and Kevin's like, Jenna, look up. Like, quit trying to program based on your sheet, and look at what you can yeah. see. Yeah. And she struggled so much that year, because she was like, no, but this is what it says. And he's like, it's not about what, what you wrote down. That might not always, that's not going to be the same every place you go. Yeah. You know, it's about what you see. And she had a really tough year. But that was the only tough year that she had. Right. And after Water. that, yeah. And after that, girlie goes like, for instance, this year at State, we got there and it was incidental. You're my lazy Susan? Yeah. It was incident. It was an accident. But they didn't have our light cues programmed yeah. for us when we got there. And so they quickly did it while Jenna's in the booth. But her job when we get there is always to go through the light cues and adjust. Right. And she does that without us in place. Right. You know what I mean? And so she's up there. And I tell her, I'm like, you got like 25 minutes to do this because we need the other 15 right. to do our cue to cue. And so she's just up there like, what is this? Yeah. And I know she's up there being the genius that she is. And I just, I, I love that she has the opportunity to, like, figure that out and become the lighting designer and even board up that she is. That's going to benefit her yeah. so much. But even then, it's like, everybody has access at their site to the same uh, to the same thing yeah. and so when people talk about like how much money is put into whatever show they have like last year we had a table six chairs and like three um, crates and that was our set but like Jenna with the lighting yeah, you paint the stages Oh my gosh. And so I genuinely think that for some, for the people that do feel like it's about a bunch of stuff, a lot of the times I, I really think that what we just need is better training of directors and directing. Um, and not necessarily for a UIL formula, but for storytelling, like for great storytelling. And I think that we could circumvent a lot of the issues of people feeling like they don't have enough stuff, but they feel confident in like their ability to put on a really good like show. Well, it's like go ask the one through three A schools how much stuff they've got. Yeah. You know, and and the schools that make it to state religiously out of those out of those schools. And mind you, the I get that the competition's different. Yeah. But they're also still really good plays, yes. you know? And some of them are being directed by people that just love theater. And sometimes 
not to quote the Beatles, but all you need is that look. Like yeah. all you need is just. I'm serious though. But <laughs> I'm like all, you just need your kids to understand that you, the director, you're here to see them succeed yeah. and see them be the best that they can be, and then they're going to do what you want them to do. Yeah. But then also, like you just said, if you don't have the training and storytelling. Then you know it's tough, but that's all it is. Yeah. Really effective storytelling, and also like listening, because when judges talk to me, I really pay. There are a lot of things that they say that I don't take into consideration. Right. Um, no offense. Well, they don't expect <laughs> but, me to take everything. Yeah. yeah, like design choices, things like that. Unless again, it makes sense to me. Like I'm not taking that into consideration. But as soon as they tell me that something in the story didn't make sense to them, or this lost their attention, yeah. or um, they needed this in this moment, and they give me a good reason why, and it gets my wheels turning, those are the things that I really take into consideration. Um, being able to pick what is actually valuable to the story that you're trying to tell. And it, be it becomes a really, really good learning and educational experience. It's just as educational learning what you actually need to take with you and what you have to leave behind. Like, that is like discerning what's important and what's not for you in your show. I think it's just as important. And, as, and I know I'm about to say this from a very, very privileged place, but also not hinging your success on the advancement of your show and being able to take in what you've actually learned through the process. Or if the people of the people in the audience loved your show, like being able to take that. We had, like I said, we had parents all like upset about state or whatever. But I was at peace at 3946 when our show ended because people are on their feet and people are like crying and snotting and tears and like that was satisfying did I want to win? hell yeah but that was so satisfying because if art if, if, we're, if, if we're creating art and art is for the people then are we is it for the people or is it for those three judges and if, you, if it's about the people, and if the people received what you put out, then you were successful. And that's what me and my kids genuinely took away from every contest that we've ever done, is like, this was a successful day of theater because we gave people something to talk about and something to think about when they walked away from this. And if we advance, congratulations, we get to do this again. And if we don't, at least we affected like the audience that we had in front of us today. Minor wisdom.